This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Today is Saturday, April 4th, 2020. On this day in 1966, the Buddhist uprising in South Vietnam reached a crucial turning point when Win Cao Kai sent battalions of South Vietnamese Marines to quash the unrest in Da Nang, and one of his top commanders openly defied him. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the South Vietnamese Prime Minister's disbursement of Marines and Rangers in an effort to suppress civilian protesters. This occurred just over halfway through the 20-year-long war in Vietnam. Let's go back to the coastal inlet of Da Nang on April 4, 1966. The air was warm, or nearly stale, some would say, in Da Nang, South Vietnam. The events of that spring seemed to build on top of one another until the atmosphere was bursting with acrid tension. Such was the environment that awaited a group of South Vietnamese Marines. In a press conference the day before, South Vietnamese Prime Minister Win Cao Kai announced that he would be deploying the troops with haste to the northern city. Now, on April 4th, the South Vietnamese Marines were to be flown by a U.S. military transport from Saigon, South Vietnam's capital, to Da Nang, the northern city of unrest. The rumble of the airplane's burly dual engines was an unsettling hymn as the aircraft traversed the 500 or so miles north. The men on board didn't know quite what awaited them. If the events of the months prior were any indication, though, it wouldn't be pleasant. The Vietnamese Marines would be landing in an atmosphere of blatant unrest. Following Prime Minister Kai's press conference, various protest groups had taken to South Vietnamese radio stations. They wanted to air their own grievances to deny what Kai had said, that they were communist insurgents that needed to be silenced. Indeed, Kai wasn't a popular prime minister, especially amongst the Buddhist and student populations in South Vietnam. These groups united into a broader nationwide coalition, which called itself the Popular Force Struggling for Revolution. Commandeering radio stations was an act of defiance they became known for. So on the early morning hours of April 4th, it was no surprise when the airwaves crackled with an update. The broadcast told the citizens of cities of Da Nang and Hue, let the compatriots be ready for combat and to prepare for a battalion of bloodthirsty Win Cao Kai troops. Their resistance to Kai's deployment of South Vietnamese Marines underscored a broader concern of other military officials. Many were wary of using soldiers against the country's own citizens. In fact, the main military official who would be receiving the Marine battalions didn't want to use troops against the demonstrators in Da Nang. 
This man was Win Van Chun, Kai's commander of the South Vietnamese forces in I Corps, the northern region of South Vietnam. It was much like a state or province. Van Chun had replaced the ever-popular General T just days before and was conflicted about using blatant force against dissidents. So Van Chun took decisive action. He instructed the I-Corps junta forces to block the exits from the Da Nang Air Base into the city. The South Vietnamese Marines soon arrived to find they were unable to leave the base. This blatant disobedience for the Prime Minister's orders would move tensions to a boiling point, forcing Kai himself to come to the bargaining table. Next, Prime Minister Kai finds himself subject to the larger demands of the Buddhist uprising in South Vietnam. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now back to the story. The deployment of South Vietnamese Marines to the city of Da Nang on April 4, 1966, was an early inkling of the growing instability of Prime Minister Win Cao Kai's regime. The soldiers were sent to wrangle protesters, who were primarily Buddhist and student groups. Their demonstrations reflected years of repression, which had been festering since the government of No Dinh Diem, around the time the Vietnam War began. Diem's rule as president of South Vietnam lasted from 1955 until his assassination in 1963. Yet many Buddhists felt the end of Diem's presidency to be a positive. His government favored the country's Catholic minority, which brutally suppressed the majority of Buddhist-identifying South Vietnamese. Though Diem's assassination in November of 1963 was not at the hands of the Buddhist opposition, it certainly encouraged the culture of discontent they created. They used his removal to mass-organize. They called for free elections to install a civilian government. But the power vacuum left by Diem didn't address their concerns. After multiple government coups, Win Cao Kai and Win Van Tu formed a new coalition. Kai became the prime minister, and Tu was the chief of state, though his role was largely as a figurehead. Unlike the coups before him that had failed, Prime Minister Kai took a specialized approach of making sure he had the support of South Vietnam's military regions, which were organized into specific corps. Military and political power went hand in hand in South Vietnam, ergo the loyalty of the corps' commanders extended into Saigon. Kai was popular in part due to his connection to the United States, Many corps commanders hoped that, unlike his predecessors, he would successfully facilitate more military aid from the Americans. I-Corps, though, wasn't on board with this belief. This most northern region of South Vietnam was hundreds of miles away from the capital of Saigon and held two cities that stridently clashed with the prime minister, Da Nang and Hue. These were two strongholds of the Buddhist resistance, 
both of which were fiercely loyal to Win Chan Ti, the commander of the First Corps. But Kai didn't like Ti's left-wing inclinations, so in an effort to shore up his own political loyalties, Kai dismissed Ti from his position in the First Corps in March of 1966. Indeed, the month before Kai's April 4th deployment of troops to Da Nang was fraught with escalations, and all of them angered the Buddhist uprising. Ti's shoes were large, and filling them was unpopular. Naturally, a resistance movement dedicated to protesting Ti's departure formed quickly. In Da Nang, the Military Civilian Struggle Committee, or the popular force struggling for revolution, gathered to champion Ti as their desired leader and protest Kai's government in Saigon. Buddhist protesters took to all avenues to express this discontent. Such was the case when they commandeered a radio station to warn of the impending arrival of Kai's battalions in Da Nang. The chaos spreading in i seemed to have eclipsed the control of the regional South Vietnamese military, which set off alarm bells in both Saigon and Washington, D.C. Likely encouraged by the Lyndon B. Johnson administration, on April 3, 1966, Kai took to the airwaves himself. His press conference condemned the communist uprising, as he called it, in Da Nang. He ascertained that forces were coming for a crackdown in the First Corps. Allegedly, Kai went so far as to say, either Da Nang's mayor is shot or the government will fall. And so the South Vietnamese Marines, known as VNMC, were flown to Da Nang on a U.S. military aircraft. But upon arrival, they were met with Win Van Chun's blockades, the commander of the South Vietnamese forces in I-Corps. American General Louis Walt, also present, was unsure of which path of action to take. The VNMC who had arrived were dutifully loyal to Saigon, and yet the Vietnamese army forces of I-Corps that had created the blockade were staunchly anti-Kai. General Walt reached out to the prime minister himself. He pressed Kai to keep his forces at the airbase and to not attempt to break through the barricades, which would incite more brutal violence. Insistent to see the extent of the resistance through, Kai himself rode all the way to the blockades that stopped access to the city, where he was met by hordes of angry Buddhists and pro-T-I-Corps civilians. The scale of the unrest confirmed the prime minister wouldn't deploy more troops on Da Nang. Pivoting to damage control tactics, Kai returned to Saigon later that day, April 5th, there, he made a point of meeting with loyal tea supporters and members of the struggle movement. They expected him to step down after transitioning to a new government within six months, or else they would continue resistance protests. Stalling, Kai negotiated with the Buddhist dissidents for another day. Shortly after, their proposal for a constitutional assembly within six months was accepted. 
Though it was one instance in a larger era of civil unrest, the April 4th deployment served as a snapshot of the Buddhist resistance power in South Vietnam, one strong enough to topple Kai's government. And though tensions would ease slightly between the South Vietnamese political establishment and struggle movement in the I-Corps in the following days, it was a grim reminder that the end of the war in Vietnam was still nine long years away. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of power struggles and political intrigue, check out the ParCast original, Political Scandals. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Aaron Larson, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 